Welcome to the Zert Coffee and Chaos Podcast, a show where we will talk about anything and everything relating to what it means to be prepared and a survivalist in today's day and age. We will discuss things like training, realistic life scenarios, and situations that you could really find you or your family in, and the gear, training, and mindset that could actually save your life. I'm your host, Chris Bartagone, and with me today is longtime friend and author, Daniel Judson. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. So author of the agent series yes all right 13 books published so far yep and a Seamus award winner for best original is that pi paperback yep awesome yep. so uh dan give us a little bit of information on on that you as an author give us a little bit of uh, background on you in general um Born and raised in Connecticut. Um, my paternal line traces back to the American Revolution. Wow. And um, it took me 20 years to get a book deal. I wrote 10 books before I got a book deal. And you and I worked together on a number of occasions while I was doing that. Yeah, we have. Yes. And um, yeah, I really, uh, you mentioned the realism and the training. And when I wrote the agent series, I was determined to really have it as realistic as possible in terms of, you know, the effects of violence. And, you know, we discussed the other day about, you know, how in movies, heroes often get up and continue with full strength when it's medically impossible for them to do so. Right. And I wanted to avoid all those kinds of situations. I also wanted to, you know, address an ongoing cliche we see in films where people inside a vehicle will discharge a firearm and nobody is puking from the concussion. And so you made sure that that was pretty... Um, pretty accurate when it came to the agent series. Correct. And there's three books yeah, in that series. Yeah, trilogy. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I I have to admit that uh, I have not I have not read any of them. But that's only because uh, I I have them downloaded, and they are on my list of books to read. But I read about a page these days, yeah, and right. then I end up falling asleep. Who has but, time to read these well, days? Well, you know, I mean, there is it available on audiobook. Yeah, yeah, they're audio as well. Awesome. Yep. That that may be the way I go because uh, especially with the whole listening on podcast, now you throw an audio book in there and you right. got hours of entertainment. That's right. Uh, the books are available um, through Amazon? Correct. Awesome. Yep. Um, and so uh, would you say that the, the Agent series, obviously that's your most recent and that's kind of where your, your, your passion lies with, with that kind of novel? Um, yeah, the, the, the series I started in 2015 and I think the last one, the third one came out in 2019. Awesome. Um, yeah. And I've always wanted to do military thrillers and I'd started with PI novels and then I wrote a serial killer novel and then a, a crime novel with FBI and, and, um, and, um, mobsters. Sure. And, uh, did a couple dark noirs and stuff. So I've tried a lot of different genres, but I really, I, when I got the chance to do a military thriller, I was really excited because I've always wanted to do that. Awesome. And so we, we talked about um, us working together in the past. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, 
I kind of tried to figure it out. I think it's been about 20 years yeah. since we've known each other. Yep. Um, from days working in a, in a in the hotel many, many years ago yes. to... And it's we, it's funny, we talked about... I was telling somebody else this, that you and I had started to do the the mixed martial arts yep. stuff before it became mainstream. Like yeah, just in the very beginning of yeah, it. Yeah. Like 94 mm-hmm. it was when we were working at the hotel. And yep. I remember we were, we were, we would find each other in the conference rooms <laughs> and we'd be like, yeah, let's try this. Let's yep. try this. And you know, I mean, you see where that's grown from now and, or grown uh, up till now. And um, you know, me being an, an older gentleman now with a, with a brand new knee, I'm, I'm excited to try things, but yes. I think that sport has evolved to where it might be, uh, I, I might not be bendy enough when yeah. it comes to <laughs> yeah. to being able to do that yeah. stuff. But you know, that's that's one of those skill sets that um, I I feel is really important when it comes to you know personal protection mm-hmm. and and obviously it's cool to be armed and and to have mindset, but to be able to defend yourself without a firearm or without a, a piece of equipment or a tool, mm-hmm. I think is very important. Yeah. At our age, it might be time to explore Krav Maga. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I remember the first time I took a, a grappling class, I came out of it was like, all right, I'm never going to wear shorts again in public because you're taking someone down in a parking lot with, you know, bare knees. Nah, forget it. Yeah. You're going to get more damage <laughs> than they are. Right. Right. So today's episode, we we've been talking about this leading up to this, uh, and you know the title of today's episode is the prepper's mindset, and I, I wanted to add to that and kind of the the prepper's mindset in in today's world, um, and you know when when we sit here and and we think about what we've seen for the past two and a half years, uh, it really lended itself to open. I think people's eyes to what it means to be a prepared individual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I guess y- your prepping journey, um, what got you there? I mean, I, and I guess I, before you can answer what got you there, how, how long have you been uh, a prepared individual? We'll say, you know, that, that, that mindset of, you know, you just don't leave the house every day with your cell phone and your keys and you don't, you know, you haven't, you don't have a plan. So, well, it's interesting. Quick, just one little side note is that, uh, I always, you know, I grew up watching Star Trek, the original series, and it was always interesting that the away team had their phaser, their communicator and their, their tricorder. And I only realized that in modern times we have, you know, with our sidearms, we have our our, our equivalent <laughs> of a phaser. We have our our cell phones, which are communicators, and our iPads, which are our tricorders. Right. And I never, you know, it's like, oh, who, who'd have thunk? Yeah. Now, did they always travel with a with a uh, medical officer? Yes. So yeah, they had their first aid kit. Yeah, that's right. In the form and, of a human. That's right. Look exactly. at that. Look at that. Yeah. Man. It, it goes back to that whole Simpsons predicting the future thing. Right. Now, apparently Star Wars predicted what we carry every day back yeah. in the original. Star Trek. Yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. Sorry. Star Carried Trek. What, yes. The exactly. old uh, original. Yeah. The original with uh, Captain Kirk. Yes. So, all right. So when, again, we, we joked about this the other day too. I, I, I talked about traveling as a, as a, a younger individual with my family and I would always, 
I, like I would always bring rope. Right. Like I felt like rope was that prepared piece <laughs> that I needed to have. Yep. So what, uh, I guess, how long have you been on this journey and, and what got you there? Well, when I was a kid, I, I watched the show called Wild, 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 Wild West with Robert Conrad and he played a treasure officer and he always had these gadgets on him and that always like stuck in my head and um you know batman had the utility belt and so that always been something that i was interested in but it was when i saw in college i think it was fall of 82 or spring of 83 i saw the road warrior and uh, i'd seen mad max before sure and mad max there was still society they had you know police force ambulance hospital prosecutors you know public defenders it was still a little bit of society, but Road Warrior was all out apocalypse, and Max had stuff in his car. And I, the day after I saw that, I started putting stuff in my car, like a <laughs> gallon of water and a, a box of saltines and an old rolled-up army surplus blanket. And Max had a pair of bolt cutters that served both as bolt cutters and as a weapon. Sure. And I was like, hey, that's a great idea. So I went and found a rusty pair of bolt cutters at a flea market and threw that in the back of my car. I also had had a motorcycle the summer before, so I still had the the helmet, which we called back then crash helmets. And uh, I remember keeping it on the front seat, the bench seat of my 73 Pontiac Ventura with a 350 V8. And I... It was both my armrest and my, you know, when stuff really comes down, I've got my helmet ready to go. So <laughs> and now, it, now, have you replaced that with a ballistic helmet? And, yeah, not and night yet. Vision I, have, I haven't. Okay. I haven't taken that leap yet. Gotcha. Only because I look very silly in hats, any kind of hat, for yeah. some strange reason. So, well, and it's all about how you look. Oh yeah, right. I mean, it's, that's it. Is. I mean, you have to look good. You have to in yes. that apocalyptic yes. setting. That's right. Um, so, so it was. So it was more. I guess maybe fiction based that you felt that it was, it was a time to maybe, like you said, keep stuff in your car. Right. I, I had seen earlier, there was that famous miniseries on ABC called the day after, which traumatized everybody in my generation. Right. Cause it was about a realistic nuclear attack on a part of the United States. And that presented the problem and road warrior. When I saw a couple of years later presented the answer. Got it. Start, preparing start preparing right start having supplies in right. case you yeah i get that right. no and that's i i think that's a great uh kind of a great way to look at it you know i mean it, it how many people out there the, the i guess the lead into that was how many people just every day leave they put their cell phone in their pocket right. they grab their keys whether they're carrying a firearm or not right. and they get in their vehicle and then they drive yeah um or you know i have friends and, and people that I talk to that don't even carry their firearm. They just get in their vehicle and they drive and whether they're driving 25 minutes to work right. or they're, or they're traveling to go on the road to visit customers and they're driving three hours. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they have a, a plan in place yeah. or, or gear in place. Um, for me, it was obviously more of the, you know, the self-defense preparation that started it you mm -hmm. know being prepared um carrying a firearm getting training with a firearm and then obviously that evolved into more medical stuff and then it evolved into just more um having the the bag or the kit to get home uh like a get you know a get home bag versus an edc bag versus a 72 hour bag and right. you know that's a whole separate episode of, yeah. of just gear there but I, I think it's important to to highlight that that it, it 
you do need stuff. And, right. you know, what's we talked about mindset in the title and, and, and the mindset is the first part of it as far as having a plan. Like, what is it you're what is it you're going to do? Should you walk into or experience that realistic type scenario right. that we that we referenced? Right. Um, so you're talking you've been you've been ready and putting stuff in your car since the early 80s. Yeah, and in yeah, and in uh, 2000 I got my first book deal and I bought a Jeep Wrangler and I think you remember that. Oh yeah. And um to the detriment of my savings account, I really I really got that thing ready. Um and uh, one of the things, yeah, I mean I I would have a below zero rated sleeping bag in the back, a two-person tent. I had a uh, you know, water, I had medical supplies, I had fire extinguisher, I had um, sternos, yep. sterno cans sure. to keep yourself warm and to yeah. prepare food and, <laughs> and all those things. And um, people would look at my Jeep and they're like, what the hell are you thinking? And I'm like, I could survive in this vehicle for four to five days in zero, sub-zero temperature. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So you just, you hit on something which I, I like in um, one of the, one of our instructors and uh, hopefully a, a guest on the show um, talked about having stuff in your in your kit in your gear that is dual purpose, not yes, just something. And exactly, so you brought right. up Sterno, mm-hmm. so you can use it to cook food. And yep. obviously, this was Sterno back in the day, but yep. you can use it to cook food, but also yep. for warmth. Exactly. Um, and I like that. That's a good idea. You know, that's a multi multi um, purpose mm-hmm. tool, if you will. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. So, you know, having, having that sound, the Jeep sounds like it's an overland type situation before probably overland was, right. was a popular thing yeah. or, uh, and that's great. You see, you see those folks in those, their vehicles now and they're, they're ready for any of that. Um, you know, and, and that's obviously that's what we push and that's what we talk about, um, as a community, uh, you know, within Zert is, is to be prepared for those situations, whether it's gear in your car, whether it's, um, firearms training or, you know, martial arts training or fitness training. I mean, right. it's, it, it's all part of it. And that goes to the mindset, right? You can have all the gear in the world, but if you're not going to be able to hike 10 miles, right. what is that gear going to do? Right. More than cause you to not be able to hike as long as you would be right. if you were just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're not prepared for that and you have to hike 10 miles mm-hmm. and now you have a backpack that weighs 30 pounds right. on your yeah. back, right. you're, you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a real selection. It's a real um, balance as, as you, you taught me the phrase, which obviously goes to the military is uh, what is it? Ounces equal pound and pounds equal pain. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that was taught to me by uh, a, a military guy as well. Um, former, former uh, owner of Zert actually. Oh, okay. uh, I remember him telling me that and, yeah. and he's not wrong. You no, know, I mean, we, when you, I could tell you the first, first rifle that I had was <laughs> I, everything, bipods, lights, yep. you know, the whole deal. Yep. And then as you start to really get into the, the, the training part of it, you slim that thing down mm-hmm. real fast. Right. You want to make sure that's as uh, streamlined as you possibly can mm-hmm. for weight. Yep. Um, but, you know, we, we talk about, obviously, that mindset. We talk about people's gear. And, I, you know, th- I think there's a, a large gap between people's preparedness, um, you know, and, and, and where, where they sit, right? I mean, the difference between having a boo-boo kit. Right. Band-Aids and, and a, a blister right. Band-Aid, 
to building a fallout shelter or <laughs> a bunker underground, right. which there, again, you got both sides of the spectrum. And um, I guess, where do you, where do you see yourself in that spectrum? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I have 200 gallons of water in the basement, which is a hundred gallons for me and for my fiance, Wendy. And, um, I have probably a month's worth of freeze dried food and other, other staples. So I, I fall into the, you don't have a fallout. Shelter, I don't have a saying. fallout shelter, but we do have a basement and I have stood in several corners wondering which one is the corner to stand in, in a nuclear attack. Um, but yeah, no fault. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, a lot of it too is, is, is what we're limited to with our finances. Sure. I mean, I don't have a second location. Our home is our Alamo. Okay. We have nowhere else to go. So, you know, it's a hunker down in the home situation and, if there's a disruption in services, you know, let's hope it doesn't last longer than a month. Right. Yep. No, that's good. And and a lot of people, you know, we the the whole bug out bag thing. I, I think that the mindset changed to you know, no, I'm going to shelter in place. Yeah, exactly. And, right. You know that. It, it, and I guess the the exception to that is if your shelter is is compromised. Right. right. I mean, depending on right. what that situation looks like right i mean if you're talking natural disaster tornado flooding or whatever that's you know f you know forest fires that's your options yeah you have to have a second location but you know in a in the situation that i'm really thinking of which is just a disruption of services power grid goes down for a period of time you really you have to stay in your home for sure yeah you know. and and we're going to get to that in, in a second because in the opening of this, we talked about realistic scenarios. Um, but so what did you, and I think you kind of answered it and we can go back to it, but what, and I, and I think I somewhat answered it as well, you know, what was the first thing that you started to prepare for? Was it a certain situation? So I think you, you mentioned, um, you, you mentioned nuclear attack, which right. obviously yeah. I don't, I don't know how that, that fares in the, in the world of, you know, are we ever prepared for that? Um, depending on where that that attack comes from, but um, was there something else, a specific type of situation that you were kind of preparing for? When you talk about you put gear in the car, yeah. Um, what was what was your mindset at that point? Um, I don't really. My awareness grew as time went on. So obviously being a child of the, you know, I born in 62. So, you know, I grew up in during the Cold War and then there was the, you know, the height of the Cold War in the, in the eighties. And then, um, yeah, I can't really, I think for me, it was always just never wanting to get caught off guard. Sure. Never wanting to be a victim in, in the, you know, in the road warrior you know, victims, you know, people who weren't prepared didn't fare well. Well, that's true. And the people who didn't work together didn't fare well, because that was really the whole message of the movie, because you had Max, who was the loner, didn't want to work with anybody. Then you had the marauders who worked together to take from others. And then you had the, the, um, the uh, geniuses that were running the, uh, the, <laughs> the oil refinery in the middle of the desert right. working together to, to go somewhere better. Yeah. And, uh, those are the three, I think those are the three mindsets you're going to encounter in that situation. And, uh, you know, Max didn't fare well by trying to do it alone and he ended up having to, 
you know, work with the other people to get right. together. So yeah, so for me, it was just, uh, you know, never want, I just never wanted to be caught off guard. Yeah. And I think you brought up a good point. You know, that community type mindset is, is good. Um, and then you, you always wonder how long that lasts, right? right. Depending on, on, obviously on resources. So, so that's where you started. Um, what, how has that evolved over time? Um, and I think, you know, I, I think I understand it a little bit cause we talk about it often, but what did you start to evolve that, that mindset, that preparedness mindset, that's, I guess the situation for, and, and you know, I talked about self-defense for me, right. that's what I was, I was prepared for. And then it became, you know, making sure that I could get home right. from a situation, uh, safely and without incident. Um, so uh, how has that evolved over time for you? Yeah, for, for me, it, it's, it's definitely two mindsets, making sure I can get home and then what can, what has to be done once I'm home. Right. And, uh, you know, I live, I work 12 miles North from where I live. Okay. So let's say that, you know, in the worst case scenario for me is an EMP, device you know knocks out power and that's a good point everywhere right you know thermonuclear devices exploded 100 miles over omaha and then suddenly everyone in the u.s is living in the 1880s and uh you know no phone no lights no motor car and um we're all on gilligan's island and you know in, in that situation no communication in my mind i would have to walk 12 miles to my house and get my gear and then walk the 20 miles south from where we live to where Wendy works to retrieve her. So in that first 24 hours, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of walking. Sure. I need water. I need, I need supply, you know, food calories for us to, for me to get to her. And then for us to get back, the walk back is going to take longer because Wendy has shorter legs than I, and you know, it's, it's going to take longer. And so, yeah, so a lot of those things I, I keep in mind. So when sure. I, the bag that I carry is, I think, just enough to get me home, however long that takes, three, four, five, six hours. And then from there, the stuff I have, I would have to build a bigger bag to get there. And then again, once we're home, it's the Alamo situation. So you do have a plan, which is, yeah. which is the first step. Now, do you ever, um, <clears throat> I guess, do you have a contingency plan for any of those things failing. That's a really good point. Right. So so just to kind of go down that rabbit hole for a second. So you talked about the 12 miles that you need to walk home. Mm-hmm. Now you have no ability to communicate exactly. with your fiance at this exactly. point. Right. Um, so what I, you know, do, and again, this is, this is kind of an open-ended question. Yeah. This isn't some, you know, like we don't, we don't find the answer today, but it, it, it allows you to think about it and allows the listeners to think about it. Like, that's great that you have a plan, but is there a contingency if one of those things fails? Because I know that there's a quote out there. It's, you know, make the plan, execute yep. the plan, Correct. expect the plan to go off the rails, throw away the plan. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's having that secondary or that backup plan. Right. You know, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine last night who said, you know, what are you, what are you kind of prepared for? And the, the first thing or the end, the, the last word that I mentioned in the, what's your realistic thing is I mentioned family. Like the first thing you're going to do is ensure that your family is safe. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, 
for me, you know, where I live from where the rest of my family lives, uh, being a single guy, it's, you know, the planning starts now, right? Right. And you have to get people on board with, okay, do you have, do you have an idea of what you're going to do? You know, just convincing somebody that they need to keep a bag in their car that will allow them to provide medical assistance to themselves or maybe somebody in their daily activity is a stretch at times because they're like, what do I need that for? Right. I'll just call my, I'll just pick up my cell phone. Right. I said it to a friend of mine. I said, you know, you, you're, you drive 45 minutes to an hour a day. I said, you know, have you ever thought about what happens if you get, you're broken down and you have no cells or no, you're broken down and you, and you need help. Right. And they said, Oh, well I'll just use my cell phone. Okay. And what happens if you have no cell service? Right. Now this has happened to me mm-hmm. where I broke down on the side of the road. I go grab my phone. I look <laughs> And I, I was on the Harley and I oh, was okay. like, oh, wow, I've got no you're bars. At, you're like, out of service. Nothing. Yeah. I no remember service. telling me that. Yeah. And I'm watching people drive by me. Yeah. Nobody's stopping. Right. Now, could I have exaggerated my need for assistance? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. But take that scenario and you're now on a road. It's at night yep. and you and nobody's driving by. And even if they are, it's at night. They're not stopping. Right. Right. You know. What was my plan? Well, I, I mean, I didn't have a plan. Right. Um, I didn't have any kind of gear. I had a cell phone and I walked till I got a bar yep. and I was able to make a phone call and provide a location to get obviously somebody out there for help. But, um, so that, so I kind of went down a rabbit hole, but no, convincing people to create a plan is the first challenge. Right. Have you, have you walked into that? You, have you walked into that hurdle or that? Well, I mean, I've, I've been in situations. I remember once I was driving home from the, from the hotel and my Jeep ran out of gas. The, my gas gauge had broken and I didn't realize it. And it was stuck on quarter of a tank. Sure. So I, oh, I was like driving around for a couple of days. I was like, wow, I'm not using any gas. It didn't <laughs> dawn on me that my gas gauge was broken. And, I, and, my, and on the way home from a, a late night at the hotel and I uh, uh, ran out of gas and stuck on the side of the road and... Um, and this was pre-cell phone. No, this this was actually during cell phone time, okay. but I noticed that my cell phone was almost dead. I was like, and I had a charger. Charger wasn't fully charged. So, you know, and I, I, I called um, AAA. It took them three hours to get there. Right. Because it was, you know, two in the morning and it's Southbury AAA and... and, and uh, right. Which goes back to a point that we will drive home repeatedly on this show is nobody is coming yeah, to save you. can't count on anyone to come and save you. So, right. yep. So I was, you know, I was sitting there and probably in the time that it took AAA to get there, I could have taken my empty gas can, walked to a gas station, filled up and just driven home. Um, but again, it didn't dawn on me that my car was out of gas until... Right. So, until after a while, I realized, uh, sitting there for a while, I was like, oh, it didn't break down. It's out of gas. Right. So, yeah. So that was the, the, you know, that was, as you were saying, I had a plan. I had a charger. This was early in the cell phone days. So the chargers weren't as good as they are now. I had a plan. Didn't have a contingency plan. Yeah. So. it's Like I said, you know, it, it's always good to, to have one of those um, because, Again, you're, you're, you're banking a lot on your plan working mm-hmm. based on factors that you are 
accounting for, but there's always going to be those factors that you right. don't account for, right. which, you know, at the end of the day, you can take that all the way down a 12 mile oh. rabbit hole oh, on, on, on yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, at some point you're, you're going to have to learn to adapt and overcome right. a situation that's not part of your plan. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you, you talked about what, what yours is and, and that's the first step, you know, your, that was your first, your first goal was to ensure that family was taken care of. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming that, um, your fiance is aware of this situation and you guys talk about this and, and she's kind of in the know, kind of in the know. Cause I also don't want to alarm her, <laughs> right. but I probably should say, listen, if one day at work, the power goes out and your cell phone is also dead, that means, you know, right. Stay, stay put. I'll be there in eight hours. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, rest up cause we got another hike home. It's, that's the key too. If, if power goes out and your cell phone's working, oh, it's okay. We're still good. It's just power went out for whatever reason. Right. You can communicate. Local. Yeah, we could communicate. But if, if you wake up one day or you're at work one day and suddenly the lights go out and you look at your phone and your phone is also fried, you go out to start your car, your car won't start. That's when you know that's right. the worst case scenario. So, so that, that, that's a good point, right? Like we obviously don't want to alarm anybody and say, you know, if your cell phone is, is dead and, um, but it, there's, there's, there's contributing factors. If your cell phone is dead, dead, like there's no screen anymore right. and, and your computers are off and your lights are off and mm-hmm. your car's dead, you know, then it start to, you know, it's time to think about, okay, what just happened? Yeah. You got 24 hours. Cause you, cause you're not, you're not able to watch the news. Mm-hmm. Like you have all of those things. Right. Um, but you know, I, I know that there's a there's a group within our community that that communicates a lot through ham radio. Yes, uh, and I think that's a very important piece of being a prepared individual or a survivalist that not a lot of people are either aware of mm-hmm. or are tracking on. I, I'm sure that there is. There's a whole community out there, and like I said, there's a whole internal group within our community that does weekly check-ins um, through ham radio mm-hmm. through Zello, uh, and they they pass information along. Yeah. I know that a friend of mine reached out to me about the the community and the organization and asked, okay, great. You know, what is your plan if the cell phone towers go down? And I told him, I said, well, we, you know, we do have a group that operates through ham radio. Um, and we can get information that way. Uh, you know, two way radios aren't going to cut it. They're limited. They're limited. Um, so you have to have, that but, plan. But to continue with the rabbit hole uh, situation, if you have a ham radio, you better make sure your ham radio is in a Faraday cage or replacement parts are in a Faraday cage. Right. Because if there's a pulse, the, ra- the ham radios go down as well. Yeah. So yeah. Again, Sounds like you have a little bit of experience uh, with ham radios. Yeah, a little bit. But okay. I, have a, I have a lot of experience with rabbit holes. Because, Got it. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's yeah, the, so. uh, I think that's the other thing to be very, very accurate with. Yes. I mean, you and me both. I, last night, I think I, I was up from one in the morning till three in the morning with the brain just just mm-hmm. churning and turning, just like, hmm, okay, what about this? What about this? And then you start heading to the internet, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, what yep. rabbit hole are we going down today? Yeah. <laughs> so um, so I, I, I want to talk... Um, gear, mm-hmm. like a, as a prepared individual, you know, I think there's a couple of things that you can lump into this bucket, right? There's mindset first and foremost, right? Yeah. 
Uh, there's gear, the stuff and the tools that you're going to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's skills. Yes. Um, I personally think, obviously, in order of importance, and again, this is this is an opinion, and we all have them, and they all vary. In order of importance, I think that the the mindset is is your first and most important, mm-hmm. and then your skill set is your second most yeah, important. Right. Uh, and lastly, is the gear. Yes. Because it's it's great if you have the ability to make fire mm-hmm. with a lighter, but the skill on knowing how to make a fire without the tool right. is, is most important. Right. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I have, um, individually I have cotton balls at home. I have petroleum jelly at home, but put those together and you've got really good means of starting a, a sustainable fire. Sure. If you can get the spark going and, you know, it's, yeah, it's, there are, there's a lot of, what I really like are the, uh, like we've talked earlier, the duality, the dual purpose things, the things that serve one purpose, but in a, in a, in a desperate situation, either on their own or combined with something else can serve a different purpose. Sure. And, uh, it's just fun to pick those things out. And right now, the only thing I can think of again is the petroleum and the cotton balls, but there's a lot of things around there laying around that you know, it's it's a you don't want to be a hoarder, but you also there are some things you don't want to throw away because this might come in handy. Oh God! And yeah. that's another rabbit hole too. Yeah. Is is well, I'll get this because I might be able to use it, right. or I might need it. Yeah, and that's and it's and it, you just brought something up, and it's funny because you know obviously I listen to a bunch of other. Um, podcast out there and and they're all great and i love to hear different people's different points of view um when uh, one of the i guess stigmas with uh, being a prepper or a prepared individual or survivalist is they they're looked at as hoarders because like you just said you're you're bringing all these things in and you know i i and i i've heard other people talk about being a, a minimalist mm-hmm. um right. I, I don't like that term when it comes to this i mean i i think it's maybe an efficient right prepared individual um and that's again having the duality of gear that serves multiple purposes mm-hmm. a lighter for example you can be used to light fire it can also be used uh, and then obviously you have a, a form of signaling right with using a lighter sterilization um, you know, sterilization um you know a compass can be used for navigation but mm-hmm. also can be used for signaling so right. everything has right. has a has a separate uh, or a secondary purpose right. um and i obviously i think that's very very important is is to have gear but i you know i go back to that having a having a an ifac or or medical equipment is it means nothing if you do not have the skill set yeah. to use it right um and whether that's you know for you or for other people or for your dog mm-hmm. like those are all again skills outweighs gear in the long run to me right um can you can you buy a you know a, a, a sammy splint or whatever and keep that in your bag yes can you also f- 
use other items to make a splint right. should you need to right. if that gear gets lost or failed. And and again, having the gear is great, but what happens if you get separated from that gear right. or that gear gets stolen from you right. or, or whatever that case may be. So skills are going to outweigh gear, right. in my opinion. So again, I just go down the list of importance to me is mindset, skill set, and then gears. Agreed, yes. But I guess if we had to... Uh, I guess if we had to look at both of them, taking a look at your inventory, if you will, for gear and for skills, is there a piece that's missing for you? And and we'll start with gear. Like what's missing for you gear wise? Well, it's interesting because I've built so many get home bags to the point where I've overbuilt them. Okay. And you know, I I've, and then I'll get to a point where I'm like, all right, there's too much in here. I'll start a new get home bag with just the essentials. And so I'll need a slightly smaller bag so that way I won't be tempted to fill it up with too much. So I'm trying to think of uh, what's missing because I split my, my, my get home bag. I, I like to keep it as bare minimum as possible. And then I have spillover stuff in my vehicle. So should I be in a situation where you know, I'm not limited to just what I'm carrying in my bag. I also have stuff in my right. vehicle and vehicle. And if I see a situation that I need an adjusting to, I can take what's out of my bag and what's in my vehicle and switch them, you know? So, um, I'm trying to think of what, if there's any gap that I have, um, that's a hard question. Well, I, so I, I can tell you where I'm lacking in, in gear. And we just discussed it is that, ham radio okay or that you know right or, or a portable type radio that can be used should the should the cell towers go down right. yeah uh, i do carry a communicator but again I, you know it doesn't i don't think it operates on anything other than some kind of cell tower right uh, it's just a garmin in reach oh, that right. you can use to communicate but i don't know and without going further into you know the rabbit hole on, on how that operates. I can tell you that that's where I'm, I'm lacking. Um, you know, we obviously, we have a medical class that's happening here in April. So I'm excited for that. I don't, I don't think you can ever not be learning and evolving that right. medical skill set toolbox. Absolutely. Um, because I think that in today's day and age, that is going to be the most realistic event on the regular mm -hmm. that we will be able to um, or we, that we will, I want to say be able to, but that we may witness and may have to provide, whether it's medical for ourselves, right. medical for somebody we're with in a, in a car accident. Um, I know that, you know, one of uh, my instructors when he was leaving here witnessed a car accident and right. he had on his way home, he, he was driving to Pennsylvania and he had his medical equipment in the car. Right. And was able to provide some form of aid. Yeah. Um, so I know that that's, that's, that's very important. I'd um, always, uh, just a quick interjection, I'd always thought, wouldn't it be great if in high school, one, one, one quarter of gym class was field first aid? Oh, my God. And that everybody right. was required at the end of the class to build their own IFAC. That would have been great. And then every, everybody in every vehicle... Every person has one in every vehicle and everyone becomes to a degree, a first responder. 
six, what is it, 68% of all gunshot victims survive their shooting, uh, su- survive being shot, but the ones that die, die by blood loss. Yeah. And if you had, if everybody had an Israeli battle bandage, uh, you know, whatever, sure. or even a makeshift one, it had a little bit of duct tape and a piece of cloth, you can, if you could stop the bleeding until the actual first responders get there, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. It's funny. You, you bring that up, you know, the, you, you, you look at, at the curriculum being taught kids these days mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they, they went to change regular math to common core math. How about leave math alone and just... If you want to change something, how about we add something like that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, medical. And, and maybe there is. I, I don't know. I don't know. Is there any kind of first aid being taught in schools? If there's not, there should be. I mean, I I learned CPR because I did the uh, the, the um, lifeguard thing. Right. Yeah. And, but I didn't learn how to stop bleeding. Sure. I didn't learn Applying how to, to how to yeah uh, make a makeshift chest seal. Right. You know, yeah. all those things, yeah. they're, they're right out there. They're yeah. easy to find out. And, yep. And that's, and again, that's why the, the class that we're having is focused on that. I've had questions of people asking, you know, are, is it CPR? And no, it's not CPR. And I know that there's some regulations and, and, or parameters as far as CPR now, right. but it's a, you know, stop the bleed yeah. tourniquet. Like it's all stuff for, you know, what you would carry in your IFAC. Right to provide medical assistance. Right. Um, but I don't feel that you could ever stop learning stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, I know that they have portable, de- portable defibrillators and, you know, right. having the skill set to use that, uh, I, I think is very important. So for me, that's one of the skill set that I want to continue to, to develop. Um, I love obviously all of the, you know, the bushcraft stuff and, right. and, and the outdoors skill set. Uh, those I believe are great to have. Uh, but you know, obviously just for a recreational purpose, you know, I mean, we, I go camping a couple times a year and I'd love to be able to not bring as much gear right. and use skills mm-hmm. to set up camp. Right. Um, but I, it kind of leads me into, uh, a, I guess a good question or a good topic. And I think we touched, touched on it a little bit, but, um, uh, in today's arena, if you will, I, I, I don't want to keep using day and age, but in today's society, what do you think the most realistic catastrophic event you would see that you are prepared for and then that you are not prepared for yeah for for me the most realistic situation is is cyber attack natural disaster man-made event whatever that knocks out the power grid okay either you know locally regionally you know or you know nationally um but yeah the most realistic for me is is where we live, we only have to deal with the occasional nor'easter. Right. So we're lucky in that regard. We don't have to deal with, you know, we don't have to prepare, like I said earlier, for tornadoes, for, you know, forest fire, wild, you know, thousands of acres, forest fires or anything like that. Like they have to deal with out in California. Um, So, there's so many of them. I know, right? I mean, right. There, when you start to think about it, there are a bunch of realistic world 
um, like real world scenarios that we could see. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about, so you just talked about the, you know, the grid and, and, and power outages. I mean, we just saw attacks on, on power. Exactly. And, and, and not even high tech ones, people with right. their freaking rifles. Right. Shooting out. And, and, and the group, um, you know, the, the group that we have in North Carolina, um, some were prepared for that. Some, so, you know, they started communicating that information and, you know, our folks, they had generators, they had food. Mm -hmm. Again, they weren't really, uh, they weren't really nervous or, or stressing about it because they, they have been prepared for that situation over time. Right. Um, you know, I think one of the most realistic things, like we said, we just talked about is some kind of medical situation where you would need to provide aid mm-hmm. to yourself or your family or right. maybe um, in a, out in public. Um, that obviously comes down to if you choose to, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think that that's one of the the more realistic things, obviously we sit here and, right. you know, we, we train with, with firearms and, and we're always prepared for that type of situation. And I, I hope I never have to use it. Right. Um, but I'm confident and I'm confident enough to feel like I'm prepared for that situation. Right. Um, you know, my, my get home bag is set up for the, the amount of driving that I'm doing. Right. Um, That's yes. You know, I'm not driving a lot every single day, right? but I do have a second and I don't have a second bag set up. I I have a second bag set up. That's a more of a bug out bag. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a, a, a a case set up should I need to go for longer. But, uh, one of a, I guess one of the ideas that came out in just some some conversation back and forth is having uh, a larger box if you will in the truck that has additional gear right should you need to add to it mm-hmm. um, you know speaking to another member in the community they have a bag that has a little bit more room their get home bag has a little bit more room in it mm-hmm. should they need to add stuff while they are getting home exactly right um in one of my situations i actually used to carry my get home bag in a larger bag so that way if i needed to i would carry both sure and the other one would be great for picking stuff up along the way and there's also are you hiking home in the winter or are you hiking home in the summer right everything you, you know yep. you build bags accordingly yeah we were and again talking to somebody else we were talking about footwear you know um, in the summer, you, you want to rock your uh, Hawaiian shirt and shorts and and flip flops. That's that's great, but man, you better have another pair of shoes in the vehicle because you don't want to be hiking twelve twelve miles with with flip flops. Right, on. exactly. And like I said earlier, I haven't worn shorts since nineteen ninety four. Thanks to the Gracie course we took. Oh man, well I'm a shorts kind of guy. Yeah, I'm a shorts and Hawaiian shirt kind of guy in the summer, Dan. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we, we we talked about obviously what we could see in today's day and age, right? And and one of the reasons that I ended up here, where I am, and and part of this organization uh, is the the conversation around Zert came up during COVID, right? And it it got me to 
to thinking about it. And, and I was like, you know what? I was like, and we, we talk about the apocalypse type setting or the, you know, the post-apocalypse type setting. And I said, well, the bottom line is if you were prepared for that type of situation, you were prepared for COVID. Right. And, and I got to look like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, the bottom line is you had toilet paper, Mm -hmm. you had hand sanitizer, Mm -hmm. you definitely had ammunition Mm -hmm. and you had a plan and a mindset of of surviving that situation. You weren't freaking out. Right. You weren't running to the grocery store at six That's, in the morning so you can get two p- rolls of toilet yeah. paper. Yeah. Which, did we ever figure out why we needed all the toilet paper uh, back then? I, I think it was just simple. People, <laughs> I, I, let me get what I really don't want to ever be without. Right, yeah. So... So I, you know, I go back and I talk about and, and, and even further, right. So that was the, if, why it made sense to be prepared. Mm -hmm. But when, when people sit here and you, and you start talking about having a prepared mindset and being a survivalist, they, they look at you and if, if they're not open to it, they look at you like, well, when am I going to ever need that? When is that ever going to happen? And I love it. Like I get excited when they say that because I followed <laughs> up with like, well, when did you ever think that the globe, the mm-hmm. world would be shut down mm-hmm. from a virus that originated in another country mm-hmm. and within days, yeah. months, days, weeks, months, the entire world was shut down. I'm talking economic, business, mm-hmm. travel. And then on top of it, take it a step further than, then you were, Hey, you want to travel? you have to present us with this piece of paper. Oh, you, you want to keep your job? You have to go do this. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that changed the world from a social and economic standpoint. Um, you know, just doing a, a little bit of quick research. I mean, the amount of businesses that were shut down was astronomical. I mean, the number that I read was in, June of 21, 6.2 million people were unable to work because the employer either closed or lost business due to a pandemic. That's a survival situation. Exactly right. When when you lose your income and you lose your job and you lose your ability to provide, that becomes a survival situation. Right. And it starts with your mindset. Okay, well, what am I going to do? Right. Am I going to give up or am I, am I am I still in the fight? Right. In by the way, that number in April, I'm sorry, in June of 21 was a fraction of what it was in May of 2020. Mm-hmm. Any idea what that number was in 2020, May? Mm-hmm. 49.8 million people. Yeah. Um, and it's just obviously it's and the the number of businesses that closed or that were affected were were in the hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. And it's just so, oh yeah. Well, when is that ever going to happen? Well, I don't know. It, it just, a form of it just did. Right. Were you ready for it? Right. Do you, th- now that you've seen it, does it open your eyes to being more realistic or are we just going to pull the wool back over and you're just living in your happy matrix, yeah, so to speak? Yeah. There's, <laughs> you know, the denial, I've seen it in some people, but the denial reflects also um, when, you know, people ask me, you know, why do I have firearms? Why do I carry a firearm? Why do I have firearms in my home? And 
regarding firearms in my home, I was like, well, you know, there's a fire department in your town, right? And they say, yes. And I say, you know, do you still have fire extinguishers? Right. I'm like, yeah, we have fire extinguishers. Yeah. What do you have the fire extinguishers for? I said, so we can put out a fire before the fire department gets there. Right. It's the same thing. As you said, you really have to, um, don't forget, there are millions and millions of Americans who the, the nearest sheriff is an hour away. Right. And where I live, uh, the police department is a mile away, but I guarantee you, it's, you know, they're not going to get to my home within, you know, 60 seconds if they're on patrol down the street. But also you have to realize police aren't required to enter your home. Right. If you're, you know, they, they you know, so there could be five squad cars outside my house within a matter of four minutes. But what good is that going to do me if they're not going to come inside? Exactly. Again, goes back to. Nobody is coming to Nobody save you. To you save are your me. own first responder. Exactly right. Whether it's whether it's personal safety, whether it's fire safety, mm-hmm. whether it's medical safety, mm-hmm. you you better know what to do. Right? Yeah. Like if you if you have a fire that sparks up in your house, are you going to immediately call the fire department, or no. you're going to try and get right. the fire out? Yeah. Or <laughs> is your is your partner going to be putting on the phone to the fire department while you're putting the fire? Out? There you go. And, yeah, you know, in my situation, Wendy would be on the phone to nine one one while I, you know, and I'm not, I'm not talking about bursting down the hallway with my plate carrier on and my right. whole commando right. ready to yeah. go. Yeah. You know, I, in our situation, we would be barricaded in the in the bedroom with her on the phone in a safe corner and me watching the door. Right. If exactly. anybody comes through the door, right. You yeah. know, that's when I that's when I become. Yeah, and that's obviously you know that that's that's very state dependent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly some, right. Some of those states, some of the states that you live in, you have the right to yeah. defend. Some are the castle doctrine, mm-hmm. whatever. Obviously, know what those are yeah. in your know area your, yes, before know you, your local laws. Before yes. you know your local laws all the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, going back to that that COVID experience or that pandemic experience where it shut down, you know. Uh, Obviously, nobody expected that to be what life is, but some were prepared for it. Right. Um, you know that, and I'm sure that preparedness started with the mindset. Mm-hmm. It, it it moved on to their skill set, and then obviously their gear locker, if you will, right. on on what they had and 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 what they didn't have, and how important that was. Right. Um, you know, we can provide all of the training that's necessary within, within the community and with the, within the organization. Um, and, and we will, but it, you know, it pays to go and continually be a student, right. Um, to go continually want to, to learn new skills. Um, you know, learning a new skill every day is, is important, whether it be how to tie knots, whether it be, you know, how to maybe how to, uh, hand load ammunition or, you know, or load their load, your own ammunition. Right. You know, we talked about, obviously, uh, you mentioned food a couple of times and that you have a certain amount of food. Um, uh, and I know what your, your, uh, your, how you feel about animals. Um, <laughs> and, and it's very yeah. similar to me, obviously, you know, we, I have a dog and, and, and I love my dog and, and I like animals, <laughs> um, more than people sometimes, yes, right? <laughs> they are less judgy, but at the end of the day, animals are a food source. And yeah. in a, in a time when you can't go to your local shop, right. To pick up meat, right. you, you may have to, 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 
to get your own meat. Um, and I think that's very important. And one of the, th- the skill sets that we've talked about that I've talked about within the organization is sure. Can you, can you, can you shoot a deer? Right. And anybody can probably shoot a deer and it takes, it, it takes less skill to shoot a deer than it does to process to dress it. the deer. Yeah. Yes. To dress it. Um, I think that's, that's very important because if you, if you shoot a deer and that deer is, you know, five miles from your camp, if you're in that situation, how are you getting that deer right. home? Right. Um, or, or better yet, you know, again, how are you processing that to provide food right. for your family? So, you know, we go back to, to offering training and talking about it and it's, it get, it just, it makes so much more sense that, that skills will always outweigh gear. Yeah. And again, that, that's my opinion. Um, I, I'm sure some people share that opinion and some people don't. Right. Yeah. I mean, you asked me where I was lacking and that's definitely where I was lacking and it's where I am lacking. And it's, you know, it's the, the expression that the, the skills our grandfathers knew and our fathers right. knew that we don't have. And my yeah. father was born in the depression and he was the oldest of a family of eight and he hunted back when hunting was a way of getting food or sure. trading or selling, um, you know, pelts. Yep. And, um, yeah, I remember you know, watching him dressing a raccoon in the garage and not liking it and turning around and leaving. And I'm like, I should have stuck there and learned what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, that's, that's, that's the other thing that I'm lacking is, is that skill set. So yeah. that is definitely something we're going to be, uh, to be adding to the toolbox. And again, I I, want to add as much as I possibly can to the toolbox. I know that I just signed up for a couple of awesome courses uh, over the next few months um, with a, with a firearms instructor that I'm excited to, to, to train with. And uh, obviously we have classes being scheduled across the country and whether it's in firearms and there's a medical class coming up and there's a, hopefully we can get some other bushcraft type classes up. It's important to, to always be learning. Yes. So, uh, Dan, I think that, uh, pretty much wraps up our time here. I think this was a, a wild time, a, a wild first episode here on the Zert coffee and chaos <laughs> podcast. I'm definitely looking to looking forward to do more of them and, and really kind of, engage in some great topics. Um, but I definitely appreciate you taking some time today and, and sitting and talking with me. Yeah, it was fun. You know, we'll do this it again. breaks up the monotony of the day. Yeah, it certainly does. So awesome. Well, uh, folks, thank you for tuning in and listening to the Zert Coffee and Chaos podcast. And we look forward to getting back on here and sharing some more information with you. Thank you so much and have a great day.